Welcome back to Pulp Friction. It's a show about what divides us. My name is Rocky, Andrew's name is Ruth, and uh, folks, it's that time of the year. Yep, it's spooky season. It is. It's it's the it's the spookiest time of all. Um, I I don't know how many uh, Halloween themed episodes we're gonna get out. I think last year we only did one with the the Disney Tower of Terror movie, but uh, we might do a couple. I mean, if this goes well, maybe you can come back for another. Um, but yeah, we're gonna be talking about uh, one of the one of the talked about horror movies of the year for sure. Yes. Uh, it's been a it's been a great year for horror. Uh, this is not generally. It has been counted in that category what have been some of your favorites this year uh x was amazing x is still one of my mm. favorite movies i've seen all year i haven't gotten to see pearl yet which is like eating me alive <laughs> yeah. i have to go see pearl yeah i know a lot of people who really like x i didn't like x and i really liked pearl interesting interesting okay <laughs> that that's interesting because i feel like everybody's i don't know i have heard lots of good things about pearl so like i'm excited yeah, it, it's really, really well made. Um, but yeah, I definitely have seen a lot of things I like this year. I liked Barbarian quite a bit. I still have to see that one too. Yeah, uh, We're All Going to the World's Fair is probably my favorite of the year so far. Yep. There's been lots of talk of that in my, like the one Discord server I'm in is for trans horror discussion. Lots mm-hmm. of discussion of that. Yeah, great, great movie. Um I thought Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was, like, pretty good. Like Bodies, Bodies, I, Bodies, I liked a lot, yeah. Yeah, I was sort of, I don't know. Going into it, I was like, this is either going to be amazing or terrible. And then it really, like, it came it came around for me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, came around is the right word for me, because I feel like the whole time I was like, this is fun. And then it was <laughs> yeah. only... It was only in those last two minutes, so I was like, oh, you know what? I guess that was good. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It shifts, like, the, everything that happens in the movie up till then completely mm-hmm. changes in Absolutely. a way that's like, okay, this is new. This is something I haven't seen before. I'm down. Yeah. I also liked um, Resurrection a lot. I don't know if you saw that. I don't think I did. That's a, a Rebecca Hall movie. Um just a, a really weird little uh, horror movie. I don't know. It had uh, Tim Roth in it. And um, yeah, <laughs> it's good. That's good. Well, th- there's also Nope, of course. Classic. Nope is good. Nope is good. Uh, men. I didn't hate men. I know why most people did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And then you have uh, the movie we're talking about this week. Yes. They slash them. Yes. They slash them. Yeah. Yep. It, I, the title, as soon as it was announced, I was like, I'm gonna uh, love this movie, I think. Like, that's amazing. Because mm-hmm. um, the title's, like, that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed we haven't gotten that before now, to be honest. It was definitely something that um, had a lot of positive hype around it before it came out. Yes. I think a big part of that was the title. Yes. Um, and, and Kevin Bacon. Just, and Kevin Bacon, yeah. Uh, I think just, like, not a lot was known about it other than that. Yeah. And so people and, were just looking at the trailers, and they were like, oh, that's clever. And then... Um, yeah, and then the reality hit. 
Yeah, uh, things took a turn pretty quickly yep. when it actually came out. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, what, what's the, like, spoiler? Can I just, like, talk about any part of the movie right now? Yeah, I mean, we're gonna go through everything, so. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. uh, I, I actually, I think I stayed home, because I go to the movies usually on Friday, and I stayed mm-hmm. home because I was like, They Them is coming out, I really want to see it. And then it was, I remember just being like, I, I stayed home for this. Yeah. <laughs> I could have gone to see any other movie. I could have seen Elvis again. Yeah. But no, I watched this. I saw Elvis twice and like I was, you know, really into it after a couple of days of seeing the first one. The second time it like all really clicked for me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've always been middle ground on Baz Luhrmann, but I feel like I'm starting to become a certified fan. Yeah, I feel like Elvis is the one that I came around on. And maybe it's the fact that I was 13 when the last one came out. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, so, yeah. Um, I usually do like a little his- history of the movie thing before I get super into it. There's not too much yeah. to talk about with this one. It was written and directed by John Logan, uh, a cis gay man who is known for being the creator of Penny Dreadful. Uh, is also a very prolific screenwriter, worked on Any Given Sunday, Gladiator, The Time Machine, Star Trek Nemesis, The Last Samurai, Sinbad, The Aviator, Sweeney Todd, Rango, Coriolanus, Hugo, Skyfall, Spectre, and Alien Covenant. Quite a list. <laughs> a wild list. Yeah. I, that's, like a, that's like a cinematographer's <laughs> list. That's not what yeah. you expect a writer to have. <laughs> no, the jump from like Gladiator to Star Trek Nemesis is what gets yeah. me. <laughs> like, like Gladiator, it's like, okay, this is like, it's like, it's Gladiator. And then Star yeah. Trek Nemesis is the one where it's like, Tom Hardy is bald, and <laughs> that's somehow supposed to make him Picard's clone. Yeah. Great, great stuff. Oh, he also uh, wrote... No, sorry. I just remembered he also wrote Tornado, exclamation point, a made-for-TV twister ripoff that I love <laughs> with wow. Ernie Hudson and Bruce Campbell. Wow. I fully I own it on that. VHS because you can't get it anywhere else. That sounds like a lot of fun. He uh, has also had a lot of success as a playwright. He uh, he wrote Red. He wrote Peter and Alice. He did the book for the Moulin Rouge musical. And uh, yeah, this is a script that he kind of wrote on spec and sold to Blumhouse in 2021. Um you know, it's kind of talked about what wanting to wanting to do something that was like an overt, you know, trans story and taking horror elements into that. And, uh, you know, Blumhouse was like, yeah, we'll do it. And so we just kind of <laughs> yeah. did it. <laughs> yeah. Blumhouse will do anything, I think. They'll do a lot. Yeah, they got uh, money to burn and, uh, you know, it often works out for them. Yeah. I remember the thing where, um, I mean, this is unrelated, but I saw something recently where someone was talking about, like, looking at X and Pearl and uh, and Maxine and being like, why would A24 kind of take this gamble of doing three movies essentially shot back to back and then finding out that they cost like a million bucks each and it's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Horror is like that genre where it's so easy to just be like, yeah, you get sort of a budget. Go have fun. We'll release it, I guess. Because half the time you end up with those like huge turnaround or like every now and again you get a Blair Witch where it's like, oh, and now you've made a trillion dollars. Yeah. And horror has enough of a, there's an audience where like if you put, if you wide release a horror movie, enough people will see it. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. yeah we, we'll just, we'll just roll like, out. <laughs> yeah, and it's even shit like, I mean, The Invitation is an example of a horror movie that, like, got some pretty mixed reviews and people weren't all that excited for it by the time it came out, and it still made money. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, when I went to see Black Phone, another great mm-hmm. one from this year... The sure. theater was packed, and it was so weird because it was like there's a group of like drunk teen like boys in front of me, and then like like everyone imaginable was in this theater to see the black phone. It was kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Anybody will go. Any anybody who's just like oh I got to go to the movies. Oh there's a horror movie. Whatever. We'll we'll see it. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, and I feel like there's an association there where like it's like the way I mean not not to sound like a, an old coot but the way movies used to be where like <laughs> yeah they you know they'll, they'll just be like some new movie by some guy with some actors you know in it and you'll be like yeah that sounds interesting i'll go see that yeah yeah and half and sometimes they're great i i like how you never really know like you can't judge a horror movie by the way it's presented as much as some other stuff where it's like oh i can feel this is like so corporate and like mass produced and stupid Horror, it's like, I don't know. It might yeah. be terrible. It might be amazing. I've seen one trailer for it somewhere. Yeah, and I think that's part of the part of the ploy with a lot of horror movies. I mean, that was very much the case with Barbarian, where it's like, do one trailer and sort of build the whole marketing campaign around, you shouldn't know anything about this movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess this, you know, I mean, because most horror movies have some kind of twist, and, you know, they, they don't want people to know the twist. It's definitely... An example of a horror movie that uh, tried to, you know, not not give away much in the trailer. Yeah. The first thing about it is that um, it's, I mean, it has Slash technically in the title. It, it you know, is, is very yeah. much, it was marketed as a slasher. And there are, it's like there's, there's the one killing at the very beginning. And then there's... Balthazar, <laughs> yes, <laughs> who is a character we gotta talk about? Yes, but in the middle, and then it's just like they they like shove everything else to the end, like they forgot it was a slasher. <laughs> yeah, one of my like one of the the problems that I had with the movie was that there's like maybe half a bucket of fake blood on screen at any given time. And it's like this is a slasher where you're name dropping Jason Voorhees and like you're trying to like make it part of this canon, but like like you you spent the budget on kevin bacon instead of blood like it's not gonna be a slasher if you don't have some kind of like like that's so like basic horror and basic slasher it's just like somebody's gotta like have their guts pulled out at some point you know yeah yeah and i feel like especially with there are elements of it like the camp being run by the family and the like especially the opening kill i think where it feels like they're trying to put a get out framework on top of it yeah but they don't actually have anything to say (laughs) (laughs) no no they're just like throwing themes at the wall but yeah i i feel like the people making it were just so scared of being canceled that they were like we can't actually do anything controversial you know like one of my favorite reviews i read of it is by um uh, this writer, Ashley Keenzer, I think. I can't quite remember uh, his last name, but uh, he writes about trans horror and he wrote this review that was basically like the point of slashers and horror is to like get in your face and like be controversial. And like, that's why so many of them are memorable. And this movie does like none, the only like, like a kid at the camp that dies is Balthazar. Right. Right. Which is like, 
you can't, I don't know. It's a horror movie. You gotta kill some innocent people. That's sort of yeah. half the point. Like, I don't know, we'll get, we'll get into it. I feel like, tonally, it feels more like something that, like, the, the kind of TV shows that gay guys are making right now. Yes. Um, and I think I think of Penny Dreadful, which obviously uh, John Logan created, but also Riverdale and the, the Ryan Murphy shows and, and, like, 13 Reasons Why, you know, it feels like this this very, like, melodramatic, playing with horror elements, but, like, you gotta connect with these characters and they'll be back next week. Like, if this whole thing was an episode of Riverdale, that would make more sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's, I don't know, there's this, like, sanitized version of like queer stories being told where everything's just like weird and like they're trying but they don't feel like i don't know yeah i feel like they're just scared of being called out on twitter so they're like well we'll just kind of half do it in a way that no one can get mad at us but now yeah. but i'm still mad you know and it's, it's pretty funny now that you mentioned it that i haven't seen that i haven't seen them get called out on twitter at all because i feel like <laughs> yeah it was so bad that no everyone was just like we can't even bother talking about it yeah, we talked about uh, the movie Adam on the show a couple weeks ago, and, like, just, just you know, it's so easy, like, <laughs> like, to not even, I don't know, I mean, like you said, they were clearly, like, trying to avoid being considered problematic, but it's, like, yeah. <laughs> to, to not get called out at all, it j- just shows to me that, like, again... It's a horror movie. It's in the framework of these sort of statement horror movies of the last few years, and it just doesn't have anything to say. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, you a movie like this should be being like, hey, we want people to call us out on Twitter, you know? We want to do something that's going to get people talking instead of just being bored and or sort of making fun of it. Like, I was explaining, the, I was explaining it to some people, and I mentioned the, like, pink like singing along scene (laughs) and everyone was just like oh it's one of those Mm -hmm. i also think i think i confused two of the characters i gotta admit i did not get to rewatch this before we were talking about it so my brain is like trying to remember a little bit i think i mixed up gabriel and balthazar because i was just like it's one of those like (laughs) biblical names which is like okay okay hitting us on the head with this like i don't know I don't know. Yeah, it's like too direct, but then not saying anything in its directness, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, and the uh, pink sing-along scene is <laughs> like, that. that's the moment where, like, I don't know, like, in the right movie, that scene would have been, like, a, a really funny thing <laughs> to, yes. to, like, sort of connect to. And in this movie, that's just going to be that mov- the, the movie's entire legacy. Is it's a <laughs> horror movie where the main characters all sing fucking perfect by Pink together? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's, like, the only, like, beat drop in the movie. Is, like, when the when the one kid is like, okay, I guess I'll join you. Yeah, And it's, like, that that can't be the, the moment where you're like, oh, yeah, the movie just hit off because we're singing this pink song that's like 10 years old yeah finally these kids are getting a lot (laughs) (laughs) yeah it it wasn't the horrors that they're facing that didn't connect to them at all no it was pink yeah yeah and they you know were they're from they're so completely different from each other (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yeah like all the stereotypes were there Mm mm-hmm in a way that it was just like, oh. Yeah, the best way for me to describe my reaction to this movie was like, oh, okay, yeah, 
Like, I, yeah. I, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then laughing a lot. Like, by the second half of the movie, I was having kind of a great time just by making fun of it because it was so stupid. Yeah. Yeah, once you get a feel for the kind of movie it is, <laughs> you just sort of know what the next thing's going to be. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I would love for this movie to become, like, a B-movie, like, bad movie night movie. But Absolutely. I think it's too boring to, like, pull it off, which is yeah, sad. Because it's, again, because it doesn't have the big kills. It, yep. like, is mostly... The, there. There's, like, very little horror until the third act. Yeah. <laughs> there's the the pink scene is the it's garbage day like that's the only like memorable like oh haha this is this is what we're gonna remember this movie for scene and that it can't just be that you have to have a couple of those moments a couple good like someone getting killed by like a weird inanimate object you know yeah speaking of which the the opening scene of the movie uh is you know this woman who we later find out is uh the real Molly uh, is is driving on the road at night, and uh, they slash her. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I I think that that I I like the um the, the like initial shot of like the headlights coming onto the road overhead, and you don't really know what you're seeing at first. I, I yeah. thought that was a good shot, and that that scene got me a little bit interested in in what the movie was going to end up being. It had potential. Yes. Of being like, okay, this is a horror movie. Yeah. You've got, you know, creepy mask. It was well shot. I thought, yeah, like it was an effective kill. Yeah. And then you just get to like, I don't know, the rest of it. Yeah. The the first character we're really introduced to is uh, Bacon, who plays, who plays Owen. And I'll say yeah. this. I think he is really good in this movie. <laughs> yes, yes. I think Kevin Bacon knocked it out of the park. Yeah. I think he pulled off the, that, like, weird, creepy, but, I don't yeah, that, like, creepy, under-your-skin kind of, like, weird counselor vibe. Yeah. I, I feel like watching this movie, I realize that there's a lot of Bacon stuff I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think I read an interview where John Logan was like, you know, Kevin Bacon has this ability to really walk that fine line between, like, being really charming and 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 sort of, uh, you know, like, has a certain sinister charm that's unique to him. And he can play these sort of uh, unhinged characters without without losing that, that sort of delicate charm that he has. And I, I think he, like, completely sells both sides of that from the first time you see him yeah like his opening spiel it's like okay this is interesting because it's like the moment where he's like you're never going to hear about god while you're here i thought that was really interesting because it was clearly like oh we're trying to step around the christianity issue a little and how that's like like a like a force behind so many of these conversion camps Mm -hmm. but like he he does a good job of being like hey i'm just like a chill he has youth pastor vibes, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Like, he does that well. And it, it kind of, as you're talking about it, and, like, that quote, it makes me think of um, when he was in X-Men First Class. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was another role where he did that really good job of charismatic, but kind of scary, but you don't really know what to think about him. Yeah. That movie yeah. just paints him much more as, like, a villain from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know. I think this movie was trying to create some, like... I don't know, like, doubt in the audience's mind, but 
it's impossible to do that for a, a guy that runs a conversion camp, I feel like. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I feel like there's something interesting to me about, like, the way he comes on and he's presenting completely affable, very understanding, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the, you almost don't. You, like even knowing going in that it's about a conversion camp, you almost don't realize until the end of his spiel that he's running a conversion camp. But I feel like yeah, it's interesting that it starts with him completely in nice guy mode, but you know that that there's a sinister bent just from like real life information, and he, they almost don't need to tell you why there's a there's a sinister undertone. Yeah. Yeah, something that I was thinking about throughout this entire movie when I was watching it was um, I was thinking about the other another film called Boy Erased. I don't know if you saw it. I did. Boy Erased like fucked me up and like to this day like really haunts me because it's such a like terrifying, uncomfortable movie. And I watched it with my parents, which was a terrible idea yeah. um, for like a lot of reasons. And just watching this movie try to make like trying to make a horror movie out of a conversion camp should be easy. And this movie somehow doesn't accomplish that. Like it makes it just, it's like a boring attempt at something. But I was just thinking about how Boy Erased is just such a like subtle, like claustrophobic, terrifying depiction of basically the same thing. And just, I couldn't, I couldn't help but think about it the whole time with how just sort of bland everything was. Yeah, I think the clever thing that this movie does is have the, like, real-life horror of conversion camps just sort of unspoken and just, like, yes, just there and you already know it's there. But there's—they don't put anything on top of it. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, like, nothing else there. And the emotional impact isn't enough to, like, have that be enough to carry it. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like— why Boy Erased worked so well for me was that it was just like legitimately a very, very uncomfortable movie that made you like really sit in sort of the reality of a conversion camp experience and like why someone's parents would send them there. Yeah. And this movie doesn't focus enough on that element either for that to like carry. It, it couldn't figure out what it wanted to be about, whether it wanted to be about the conversion camp or whether it wanted to be about the slasher or whether it went, I don't, I don't know. It yeah. was, there's too many things being attempted, and so nothing gets done. Yeah, I also think if you think about, like, other conversion camp narratives that we have seen, like Boy Erased, or like But I'm a Cheerleader, I, I think yeah. But I'm a Cheerleader uses similar structures to to examine being in a conversion camp, but does, but does them, like, more effectively, like, with more of an understanding of, of the horror, and obviously it is a comedy, but... yeah. Yeah, I just think that this movie ends up feeling watered down because it is, but also because, you know, it, again, has that assumption out of hand and doesn't, like, build new horror on top of it well enough. Yeah, yeah. But I'm a cheerleader is another great... I'm glad you brought that up because that was the other one I was thinking about, especially during the, like, cooking scene. Yeah. um, Which was probably one of the moments I felt the most uncomfortable in the movie. So I guess... I kind of applaud it for that. Like, there's something about that, like, oh, we're going to make apple pies. But then it's that, like, really uncomfortable, like, sexual, like, whatever is happening. Like, that was, for me, the best horror of the movie. Yeah. 
And I don't, I don't know if I wanted more of that, but I, apl- I applaud that scene for pulling off what the rest of the movie didn't do, which is make me feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. We're introduced to the rest of the uh, staff of the camp. There is uh, Molly, the medic, played by Anna Klumsky. There's um, Owen's wife, who I don't remember which one's, which one's the wife. There's Cora and there's Sarah, and I think Cora's the wife and Sarah is Zane's wife. And then there's also... Balthazar, the groundskeeper. <laughs> right. Okay. Yep. Yep. It's coming back to me now. As they introduced Balthazar, I laughed out loud as soon as I saw yes. it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And they were trying so hard that you can't you can't do anything but laugh. Like yeah. it's it's hilarious that they think that's gonna like fool anyone. <laughs> right. It, it's a really funny, like, over-the-top red herring thing, but then they kill him, like, 30 minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah, they're like, here... The first, like, 40 minutes of this movie is like, here, we've got a creepy groundskeeper and a creepy cabin full of rusty tools and, oh no, there's, like, scary dolls and, like, cameras we don't know about. They just put in, like, every cliche they can yeah. and then and run then out immediately. Immediately flash in. Yeah, like 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 the scene where we like actually see him like you know using the cameras where he's like spying on the showers is the scene where he gets killed like ten seconds later. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like you gotta like hold on to some of these elements, carry them through. You can't just present everything and then be like, ah, never mind. That's not important anymore. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to see. We are, you know, first we're introduced to Jordan, played by Theo Germain, who was also in Adam. Um, and, you know, they're great. <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah, they're they're fun to see. They, you know, good actor. Yeah. No yeah. problems there. Solidly carried what, what, solidly carried the nothing of the rest of the movie, for me anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had... Very few issues with the cast in this movie. <laughs> I think the cast yeah. is, you know, serviceable to good. Yeah, they're trying their best. Everybody, everybody's being real professional about it. Yeah, and uh, our our next scene is the um, the sort of round table where well, well the thing with uh, Jordan is that they're like, I'm not binary. I don't know where I should go. And uh, uh, Owen is like. Well, you know, thank you for bringing that up. You can uh, bunk with the boys for now, and if there's a problem, we can discuss other options. I think that's like <laughs> it's set up, and it doesn't lead anywhere because we. I mean, there's the there there's the thing where the 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 trans woman character Alexandra is caught and then sent to the boys' cabin, which, mm-hmm. but but like, I don't know. It's like set up so early that 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 Jordan's going to be bunking with the boys, and then it just like doesn't really lead to anything <laughs> yeah like i don't I, it was almost like they were just like we need to establish that this character is non-binary we're gonna make mm-hmm. a whole thing out of it and then not discuss it again kind of which i, yeah. I, I don't know like i guess is a fine way to do it but and i think they tried to have a couple things where it's like uh you know they wear alexandra's dress and they uh are yeah are, you know uh really good with guns and that that sort of intimidates uh, uh zane and owen but like i i just don't feel like it really follows through on like because that that's a thing in and of itself is like 
you know, this this camp is strictly gendered and mm. them bunking with the boys could be a source of horror or at least drama, like some kind of some some kind of character depth could come from that. And they're just like, mm-hmm. yeah, that sounds fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like this is the thing about this movie is like everything about it could be so good and so interesting but it just isn't because they just let the idea drop yeah it it sort of seems like other than the general like not wanting to be there and wanting to leave like most of the characters are pretty fine with everything that goes on (laughs) yeah yeah there's like okay this is uncomfortable oh my god can we talk about the one character i don't even remember his name but he's the one that wants to go see Moulin Rouge on Broadway. Toby. Yes. This character, another one that it's like, as soon as he was introduced, I was like, I couldn't help but laugh, especially because he wants to go see Moulin Rouge of all musicals, which once I found out that the director like wrote that book, I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. I guess. (laughs) But of all the shows to like, and I was actually, I was talking to someone on the, the trans horror discord server. And I was like, why Moulin Rouge? And they were like, I don't like of all the shows that are on right now, Moulin Rouge. I don't know. That part just stood out to me in a way that is particularly, I don't know, like random. Doesn't make sense. This isn't a real character in any way. Like it's such a caricature of an archetype of a gay man, you know? Yeah. And this, this actor Austin Crude is uh, someone I like a lot. He mm-hmm. um, he played Justin Bieber in the Atlanta episode about Justin Bieber. He was um, he had a really good one scene performance in Hunk for Jesus Save Your Soul. Uh, and again, like he's not bad, but like just a caricature and kind of a poorly done one. <laughs> yes, yes, it's it's not even like it's hard to fathom that someone would still make a movie with like that much of a like that stereotype now like yeah. it feels like we've sort of moved beyond like i i would hope that we've learned that you can't do that anymore right it's a character you'd expect to see in but i'm a cheerleader and like yes again i think part of the issue is that the rest of the movie is so like played l- 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 like downplayed you know yes. <laughs> like yes. like to, to have the one character who's even kind of a caricature and everyone else is just like kind of medium people who, you know, are uncomfortable but don't have strong feelings about anything, you know, and then yeah. have this character. It's it's wild. Yeah. Well, the, the other character that felt very, because besides, um, I'm literally blanking on all the characters' names. This is embarrassing. I, I had to but write like them down. The... They're, you know, not... Uh, they're not memorable yeah yeah but like the the like the two younger people who run the camp especially the guy like it was very okay i get that you're going for this like oh i'm macho i guess to like i'm overcompensating or whatever um like that that felt so i thought when we see the inside of those characters apartments Mm -hmm. or their like cabin or whatever with all the pinup photos i thought that was kind of funny kind of interesting but again it's like never discussed in any detail it's just thrown on the wall yeah again there's just these these fleeting moments of like 
these where there are caricatures i'm like this could be a fun movie but then yeah again the rest of it is so milk toast yeah it's so like played straight mm-hmm. i guess which is i guess played straight in a lot of ways right <laughs> um like you can't you have to make a decision you have to be but i'm a cheerleader or friday the 13th or like boy race like you have to pick a movie to be and this movie was trying to be all of them at once it didn't do it. Yeah. The uh, other characters, just to run through the big ones real quick, there's yeah. um, there's Veronica, who is the, the, the girl with the red hair. She's bisexual. Um, mm-hmm. Stu, the guy who wants to get a swimming scholarship, and he's like, but I can't get it if I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the school, bro. Depends on the school. It's true. It's true. Uh, there's, uh, Kim who, you know, is, is like the only queer person in like a super straight suburb and is like, you know, everyone would, would like die if they found out. Uh, and then there's, there's Alexandra, the, uh, trans woman character who, uh, we've Mm. already discussed a little bit. And there's Gabriel who, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, we gotta get into that. Weird vibes on Gabriel. (laughs) Like, like, like very even, strange even knowing that he that he turns out to be like a mall for the for the camp it's like what a weird performance what a weird character <laughs> his like the like seduction scene for me i could not stop laughing like i was laughing throughout the entire thing because yeah. i just it reminded me of that one photo of kylo ren you know like yeah. shirtless kylo <laughs> it was that sort of like this isn't this isn't sexy. Like, shut it down. If this is what people think is sexy, like, shit, shut it down. This is weird and, like, off-putting. <laughs> yeah. One, one of my uh, favorite lines of the movie is when we find out that Gabriel is, like, a honeypot and um, Owen says, Gabriel's our little forbidden fruit, if you'll pardon the expression. <laughs> oh, my God. And, like, the whole movie, it, the character of Gabriel is played so, like, oh, you know, I'm just shy or whatever. And then, I don't know, it's, like, trying to do, like, a femme fatale thing, but it doesn't work. It's just hilarious. Yeah, and there are, like, I don't know, it spends all its time on, like, the, you know, the the day-to-day camp stuff and you know like a, a couple of scenes of like jordan kind of figuring things out and jordan and alexandra kind of like talking to each other trying to make it work that like we don't it doesn't feel like any of the characters actually have story <laughs> yeah yeah they're they're all their own caricatures like like we're already talking about the like you know 90s sitcom gay best friend character and then there's the the swimming guy who's like the the jock and the the one the asian woman the whole time i was like is this just like the mean lesbian thing like i feel like we've gotten beyond these but no apparently and the fact that it was made by a gay man it's just like i thought we i thought everybody had learned if it was like some like straight cis guy i'd be like okay whatever you're living in the 90s right but i don't it's just it feels so outdated already yeah. But also so of its time because it's so just bland and trying so hard to be likable in the way that like everything is these days. 
Yeah, I, I, I think this movie could definitely go down as a reflection of, like, how trans and maybe especially non-binary people were just treated in media in this moment where, like, they're sort of not allowed to be characters because it's like, well, we don't want to don't want to upset anyone <laughs> yeah yeah we we can't get canceled we right. have to we have, we have to include them and we have to make sure that we point at them and say look they're included but then we're gonna cut away and deal with everything else it's the 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 five second gay kiss in star wars not to bring up star wars again <laughs> hey star wars doesn't need to be brought up anymore <laughs> that's true it's done <laughs> it's we as a society we did it We've we've defeated Star Wars. <laughs> Honestly, applause, props to honorable alum J.J. Abrams for driving mm-hmm. Star Wars into the ground. Absolutely, he, he, like he, he played the thank long you. time for sure. Yep, yep. Didn't plan anything. Just let it peter out, and now it's all on TV, and I don't have to fight the crowds when I'm going to see a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Except for when whatever Marvel movie's out, but whatever. Don't even get me started. We're, we'll get there with Marvel also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, Woof. I, the, the thing with Rise of Skywalker, I feel like, I feel like everyone's like, you know, what, what could have happened here? Did he really not have a plan? It seems pretty obvious if you look at the first two <laughs> movies that the third one was going to be all about Leia. And then Carrie Fisher died. Yeah. And <laughs> so they had a couple months where it was like Trevorrow kind of figuring it out and then they ended up letting him go because he didn't like the ideas he was bringing to the table they bring Abrams in and he's got like two years to just start from scratch <laughs> and tie the entire Star Wars series together <laughs> yep yep definitely and it, I don't yeah a tall order given to a man who who wasn't thinking it through when he started you know like there was he didn't set the pieces that he set in motion in the first movie were bad. So Colin Trevorrow was like, we're not doing that. And then he yeah. had to come back in and be like, well, but we are though. <laughs> yeah. No, like straight up. I, yeah, I, I could pop off even more, Sure, but I won't, I'm, I'm going to pull it back. We're talking about they slash them. Yes, we are. Um, there, there's a scene, uh, shortly after the round table where like, uh, uh veronica the you know the 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 mean lesbian character catches yeah balthazar <laughs> just sort of ogling the girls and like tells them off um <laughs> again great character they've set up there yep yep hit every check mark they didn't miss anything yeah so we we got the thing where alexandra is uh forced to bunk with the boys uh and jordan and then we meet further the Anna Klumsky character Molly who sneaks Alexandra her estradiol and says um you know she asks her if she believes in anything the camp is doing and she says I believe in healing and Alexandra says maybe you should believe in dignity a great sort of uh uh you know scene to be gift <laughs> yes yes to, to put that on a on a on a quote put it on the red bubble sell yes. that yes uh anna klumsky i always like to see her yes i i love her she's never around enough yeah we we need to see more of her she's so so good on veep that it's like she should be in everything yes yes and this movie like from the from the moment molly's introduced i was like oh well it's probably her yeah. you know 
it's one of those things it's like when uh bill Hader shows up in the heat and it's like well you're not gonna like get bill Hader and then not have him do anything so obviously yeah. he's gonna be the guy <laughs> yeah and i just for a long time and this started with i think angels and demons of all movies with tom hanks and mm-hmm. ewan mcgregor where it was just like if you're trying too hard to make me like a character they're the one that's behind the secret plot almost right. every single time and so the minute they're like oh but here's a a character you can kind of like trust maybe a little i was like oh well she's clearly the killer they they wouldn't do that if especially with a movie where it's like look at our scary land like landscaper man (laughs) like this movie is not sophisticated enough to make like a further twist beyond like oh the character you like is the bad one yeah who is it is it (laughs) is it all of these all of these uh classic homophobes (laughs) (laughs) or all of these classic gays you know (laughs) it's the one other like name actor that people are going to recognize exactly a little bit of bonding between uh, Kim and Veronica, who are the, mm-hmm. um, the the two girls who end up having a bit of a fling, and like <laughs> they they end up fucking, and it, it, it's a it's a funny moment where Kim is like, "Who's Jason Voorhees?" and then they immediately yes. start making out. <laughs> yes, that was that's my favorite scene in the entire movie. Unironically. That was that was the hardest I laughed. That was the most fun I had in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, okay, you you don't know who Jason Voorhees is. I'm immediately kissing you. I'm in. Uh- yeah, it was like hard cut. Like yeah. they couldn't have timed it better. The comedic timing was perfect. I love that scene. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like they they have the the scene with them, and then they have the scene with Stu and Gabriel. So like, I like that the the guys are getting it on too, because I you know. A lot of people are, are are not as willing to do that, but like Stu and Gabriel haven't talked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's no build up whatsoever with the girls. At least it was like I see where this is going. Okay, this is cute. I'm down. Fun. And then it was just like, oh, I guess Gabriel is so sexy. He's just gonna immediately like get the Stu under his uh, his magic, right? The forbidden fruit. Uh, right, there's there's a scene where, like, they go out into the woods and they, like, pair off, which seems like an exercise that really doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> no. No, they, it was just, like... <laughs> well, it, it, there was something where they were trying to, like, force a relation... I don't know. It was like, well, this is how we're gonna make... It was, like, fanfic tropes, where it's like, oh, you have to be tied together. Like, I've read that fic. It was probably written by a 12-year-old, you know? Right. But they pair <laughs> off and they just sort of chat and like you know some of them have romances obviously but they're paired off with you know same gender of the of the two categories they have so it's not like they're expecting them to fall in love or maybe they are but like (laughs) the the only other thing is that like the counselors are snooping in the cabins while they're out there in the woods but that also doesn't go anywhere (laughs) no no it's it's just set up and then no follow-through continually yeah. It's it's as if they think that the setup is the follow through and it's like no. That's not how that works. Yeah, we get the scene of uh Cora who I guess is I think is the wife, I'm not sure. Uh but but she's like the um, yeah. the counselor or the 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 like therapist or whatever of the camp and she's just sort of there to like be really mean to each kid individually. <laughs> just yeah, sort of, that's her whole job. Just sort of Make sit them, them cry. down, 
make them cry and then just have them leave. Um, which, I don't know. And there's also, again, stuff in that scene where it's like, first, Jordan's outside. Uh, they look at the, paint, the, the painting on the wall of, like, birds cannibalizing each other. <laughs> which is just sort of a another creepy thing yeah. that doesn't come back and then and then they look over and see owen taking out the kids phones from the bin and that also doesn't go anywhere <laughs> and that whole sequence was so like i don't know it was like oh so now we're ripping off get out like the the way that the counselor was working it was very much similar to get out absolutely but yeah nothing happened <laughs> nothing happened they, they get upset and then they leave they get upset and then they go to their cabins and sing uh, uh, "Fucking Perfect." <laughs> of course, yeah. Which just like, like everybody does. Yeah, there's something like there's something kind of funny about the the fact that it's not fight song because because yes. <laughs> it's such a it's such a fight song moment. Um, but it's also really funny that they all sing that they all know the word. <laughs> yes, because everybody that's that's. You, when you get your uh, your ID that's like, oh, yes, you're an official queer, you have to memorize Pink. You have to memorize all the Pink songs. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, in Top Gun Maverick, there's the scene where they all sing Great Balls of Fire. And it's yeah. like, yeah, like, it, it's like funny that all these kids would know, would know Great Balls of Fire. But at least, like, there was a point in history where it would make sense for everyone to know great balls of fire it just feels dated and in this case it's like it's like i i know people who like that song but like i don't think anyone really knows the words no the one person i know who probably knows the words uh worked at like a liquor store where it was playing in the background like all the time on like the top 40 (laughs) station and so they would like to kill the song but they do know all the words yeah yeah it's I don't yeah. There's something very specifically dated about choosing that pink song. I don't like. It just it makes me feel like I'm in middle school, like 2012. Like yeah. LMFAO is a big deal still. Yeah, I mean you it's know? like a, it's like almost a 10 year old song. It's not a song yeah. that has like has any continued relevance today. No, like Pink's released good stuff. Kesha's released great stuff since then. Yeah. I think it's a funny choice and and a funny scene, but it's one of these moments where, like, again, so much of the film is played straight that, like, how am I supposed to see this as intentional? Yeah, especially because there's the bit where everybody, like, looks right at the camera and it gets real serious. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, this, it's so out of place. Every element is from a different movie, and they're all mushed together into this, like, so it's gray. It's like when you're mixing all the colors together. Eventually, it's just going to become gray. You, you gotta, you gotta pick a few colors, make something stand out. So Jordan sneaks out that night, uh, and mm-hmm. Stu catches them, which also doesn't go anywhere. But they mm-hmm. uh, get into like the office, and they find a folder full of like photos of brutality. You know, photos of of kids with yeah. like bruises and shit. Like, yeah, and then. Um, Anna Klemski happens to happens to catch them, and uh, she promises to protect the campers uh, as much as she can. But uh, what she says is, "Be careful. This could get a lot worse." And he doesn't like you. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I mean, <laughs> I, this is almost a show don't tell moment where it's like, I knew that, I could see that. Kevin Bacon is a, an actor who's performing. 
I can tell that Kevin Bacon doesn't like Jordan. Right. But even so, it's like, it, it doesn't seem, I, I mean, it seems like <laughs> Kevin Bacon, you know, has this sort of passive aggressive attitude towards a lot of the kids and i guess jordan is a little more rebellious than than some of the others but like mm-hmm. I, I i didn't really get a feeling that kevin bacon particularly hates jordan <laughs> other than other than that they kind of mess with his plan but like i i mean yeah i don't know it, it just like it felt like it was gonna be revealed that there was something more specific going on there and again nothing yeah yeah it's a whole movie of setups it's like a sequel in a trilogy, you know, yeah. but not a good one. Yeah. So uh, we we get into Balthazar's office. Uh, he's watching the girls in the shower. He's got puppets all around him. <laughs> of course. And then they flash him. Yep. <laughs> Seconds later, we, we, we are introduced <laughs> to two facts about Balthazar. That he yes. spies on teenage girls in the shower and has an office full of puppets. And he is immediately killed and never mentioned again. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's outrageous the number of like horror tropes they're trying to hit. You it, At that point, it's almost like, oh, this is like a spoof. Like that's a spoof level of like, oh, there's also creepy dolls. Yeah. <laughs> that are never, ever seen again or mentioned or connected to the film at all. They're just set dressing. <laughs> but we're going to get a lot of shots of this set dressing. And another, like, almost bloodless kill, too. Yeah. Here's another thing about the kills for me. So there's, like, no blood, very little gore, or no gore, very little blood. Also, there's only, like, one kill that's connected to the camp, really. Mostly it's just, like, people being stabbed, which is a slasher. I get it. You know, just slashers are just basically people being stabbed. But I feel like when you're doing a movie that is so tied to a location, you you got to work the kills into it. You know, like Friday the 13th, you're going to get killed at the archery range and like in the showers and like in all the like areas of the camp. And it's going to be related to the camp or like, you know, like B-movie horror movies. You're out here being like, oh, this is a horror movie about like X location. It has to be connected. And they just didn't do that. And it felt like a real missed opportunity. Yeah. And there's all this stuff where like, I mean, the first thing we see right at the beginning is like a flash of the old, that that old photo of like Whistler Camp when it was started, and then we see that mm-hmm. photo again later, and like, you know, again, I think it does try to just use the real history of of conversion camps as the backdrop, but like it implies in all these little ways that there's something more to the history of this camp and of these characters, and then like, it's ultimately treated as just another conversion camp. Yeah, it's like they they wanted to focus on the real horror, but they they didn't focus enough on it. And all the implications of like, oh, there there's like a dark extra dark history almost feels like cheap. Like it feels like it's yeah. cheapening the actual horror of like the very real thing that people have to go through. Exactly. I, I think I think we're getting at what the core dichotomy here here is. It's all this stuff that is like sort of sort of caricature and sort of campy and you know over the top but there's like a fundamental idea that like the horror of this should be grounded in reality because we're we're talking about a a, a real life horror that a lot of people have known in their life um but so you're sort of 
balancing like the the world the real world of the movie the the sort of normal world is kind of uh you know uh catchy and and uh over the top and then the horror of the movie is very bland and uh plain <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's the opposite of what it should be exactly not not to bring a boy erased again but this is just a movie i couldn't help but think about while watching it it's just like that is a horror movie it pulls off the horror movie about a conversion camp better than this ever does absolutely and i, I it's just like it it's just so obvious how this movie could have been better that's what frustrates me is like mm-hmm. I wanted a movie, when I heard that there was like a slasher about a conversion camp, I was like, oh, sick. This will be amazing. I want to see like camp counselors getting like killed left and right. I want to see like buildings on fire. Like this movie could have been such a like cathartic, violent, like great piece of queer horror cinema, Mm -hmm. but they just did nothing with it. And I think a a big part of the lack of catharsis is that what's actually happening is it's a camp counselor killing other camp counselors. <laughs> and like yes. they, you yeah. know, we, we find out that, that she was actually a student, you know, someone who was sent to this camp when she was younger. But like the, the trailer sort of made it seem like the, the kids were being kind of hunted down by, by whoever the killer was. And, mm-hmm. you know, it could have been the other way around where one of the kids was, was killing other kids or killing counselors, whatever. But like it's structured in such a way where, the actual the actual kids who are sent to these these camps have no agency <laughs> in, yeah. in the story in the real story yeah the minute that like things get real 90 percent of the kids get like ushered away into the woods yeah and jordan's the only one left and in the end jordan doesn't even get to like kill anyone because oh that would be stooping to their level <laughs> Bitch, excuse me, like, there's this, I don't, it equates, like, it equates Jordan killing, like, a terrible person to the same thing as, like, conversion therapy, which is horrific. Like, it, I don't know, it it does this thing where it, it, it loses all of its momentum and gets really boring in the last act, and then, like, says the like it doesn't it doesn't say anything that i want to hear you know yeah there's the um (laughs) there's the line where uh jordan says when does it end and angie who's who's who molly really is says when all these camps are closed and it's like yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's where it is yeah that's that's when you team up with the cool slasher and you go and you do that yeah like that's what i wanted out of this movie was the whole point of a horror movie is to be like be ridiculous to a degree and to do things that you can't do in other movies like just go on a spree and take down all the conversion camps like that would have been a sick ending to be like oh now we're gonna go on the road taking it on the road gonna go burn down all the conversion camps like that's a movie that i would root for not this, like, oh, we called in the police, our best friends, yeah. to, like, wrap up this one camp. Yeah, it's, it's like, a completely separate... Like, like if you want to do a horror movie where, in the end, it's like, no, I'm not going to kill anyone. Th- that can't also be part of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it's so tone-deaf. Yeah. 
and also trying so hard to not get canceled, but it's still so tone deaf. Like they threaded a really rare needle. We get the uh, the pie scene and the gun scene side by side. Two mm-hmm. pretty good scenes, I think. Yeah. The dog was clearly still alive. Like it was clearly just a sleeping dog, which I thought was funny. Yeah. Like they didn't they did not attempt to make that dog look dead. Um but both those scenes did p- pull create excuse me. They created quite a bit of tension, I guess. And I I already mentioned the pie scene of being like one of the most uncomfortable scenes in the movie for me. Yeah, I th- I think the tension created um between Jordan and the male counselor and uh, between Kim and the and the female counselor are both really good, really palpable. Feels like we're building to something. The thing with the pie scene is there's an erotic implication. There's a little bit of a, a again, there's the the bird painting, and there's a little bit of like, a, is there cannibal stuff going on here? Mm-hmm. To that also, and like that would have been a a really easy element to just throw into the movie. <laughs> like they have all the pieces with with yeah. Balthazar in the pictures and like they have everything where they could also be like oh we're also doing cannibalism and that would elevate the movie yeah especially because like so often for like terrifying reasons so often the people who are running these camps end up being like closeted repressed queer people themselves like Mm -hmm. and that's alluded in this movie when we see the like sort of sex scene between the two younger counselors where they have to like they like pick out people for each other to fantasize about while they have sex. And it's like weird. And I almost wish they'd played into that element of it more, like make the, the, the cannibalism of like queer people being turned against other queer people by like this system. And then like, make it like physical of like, they're literally eating each other. That would have been cool. That would have been a sick film and it would have been more gory and it would have been cooler this is it, this movie could have been done so much better so many other ways. There are 50 million ways to do this movie where it's interesting. Yeah. And, and they picked could, none of them. And it really would not like like even have that big an impact on the budget to do like yeah. a, a cannibalism thing. Like, yeah, I mean <laughs> it just seems obvious. You get a you get a little bit of fake blood, a little bit of some meat. You just sort of like spew it somewhere. That's not a place where you should skimp the budget on a horror movie. In my opinion, anyway. I'm a I'm a bit of a like eighties like gore fan, so maybe that's just me. We also find out uh well well let's see, there's the, the, the gun scene and we find out that uh Jordan is trained with guns, is very good with guns, which I when when you have that and we find out a little more about them and then we get like their final decision, I was a little bit like that makes sense for this character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the way that the film frames the choice, I don't love. Mm-hmm. But like, I of the characters in the film, Jordan was the one I probably I don't know liked the most. They sort of felt like a Dean Winchester cosplay, which is really funny. I don't know if that makes any sense to anyone else, but when I was watching <laughs> it, I was kind of like, this feels like I'm at a convention, and Jordan is like someone I bumped into at a booth in like a Dean Winchester cosplay. Like that's part of the costuming, but also just like the character beats reminded me of Dean. Not to like totally derail this and talk about Supernatural. Please. I don't know. It's just something about that like repressed, like queer, like hunter, good with guns. I don't know. Playing with like traditional ideas of masculinity, but then 
like twisting them and sort of choosing like not wanting to engage with them while also like wanting to engage with other certain other elements of masculinity like there's interesting things there yeah yeah and, and that, that 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 spoke to me yeah and i i think the uh yeah the 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 gun as as representing masculinity and and making pies representing femininity i feel like there's some interesting ideas there i feel like it was definitely intentional for them to set up jordan as like being really good with guns and then have them choose not to shoot someone at the end but also yeah. they don't even set up a scene where it's like they have to be a good a good marks person like they are in a room <laughs> with, with, yeah, it's with like point blank like tied up yeah <laughs> yeah like that was completely unnecessary anyone could have been a good marksman in that scenario yeah i you're even pointing out things that i didn't even realize were stupid as i was watching it of like oh yeah they totally that that means nothing there's another thing that goes nowhere um, <laughs> in, in the scene where Veronica and Kim are about to make out where Veronica reveals that she's actually uh, undercover writing a story about conversion for like her college paper. I literally forgot about this. Like this is such a <laughs> non point in the movie that I forgot that this that happened. I was so overtaken by the hilarity of who's Jason Voorhees immediately kissing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what does that have to do with anything else? Nothing. <laughs> that was so fucking funny. And that, again, another thing that would have been very easy to, to bring back in an interesting way at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, let's, let's take down more of these camps. We've got like a reporter kid. We've got all these elements. No. Uh, irrelevant. They found love, kind of, I guess, so that we yeah, can show sex sure. in this movie, because it's a horror movie. Between the uh, Veronica and Kim scene and the student Gabriel scene, we have Jordan, Alexandra, and Toby hatching a plan to escape, which, again, it feels a little out of nowhere to me, because, like, like even though there were these very intense scenes just before this... Um, Again, it just doesn't seem like they're <laughs> like the the need to leave is that urgent. This is a one week camp. None of the kids are dying once again. Yeah. <laughs> so like. Yeah. Like I think that I got the sense that there was there was this attempt to elevate the horror every day. Like Kevin Bacon gets like creepier and more like aggressive every day. It's true. But it's it, it's not like we never we never get the sense until maybe the um like aversion therapy scene up until then we don't get a sense that these kids are like in any like direct harm's way like they're they're being terrorized in a very psychological way but until that scene with the electroshock therapy it was like they were uncomfortable they'll get to leave at the end of the week but making it like there weren't high enough stakes to necessitate this like we have to get out by the cover of dark right now you know yeah and, and again, like, going back to But I'm a Cheerleader, I think that's a movie that, like, is very effectively, like, we need to escape. Yes. Uh, we have to do it. Make sure no one catches us. This is when we're going to do You know, like, it sort of builds up to that in a really effective way. And this, again, like, they, they set up up top that it's a one-week <laughs> camp. I mean, Jordan... Yep. Jordan does know that, 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 did see those pictures and know that kids were being abused. I feel like that plot point is not really developed enough. Um, yeah. But again, another big part of it is what I said at the beginning, that most of these kids 
seem to have very moderate reactions to everything. <laughs> yeah. And there's only like a handful of the kids that we know at all. There's a lot of just like buffer children yeah, there's like, like in five, the background. Yeah. There's like five or six that talk and everyone else is just there. Yeah. Yeah. Like either have a smaller cast so that you can get more like connected to all of the characters or use some of the background kids to like up the stakes like that's a really crass way to put it but in a movie within this genre you kind of have to kill some people for the stakes to get high enough like sam raimi's rules of horror are the innocent like the first one's literally the innocent must suffer Mm -hmm. you know if you don't have that then the rest of the movie doesn't feel important because it's like what what yeah there's no stakes you got you got to you got to kill some background. You got to kill some red shirts. Yeah. To to bring Star Trek into it. We're bringing it all in. It, it all yeah. comes together around this <laughs> lifetime. Really a, a, a pivotal text. Um, yeah. It's going to be taught in film classes for years to come. Yeah. So we find out that Gabriel uh, is a mole. Uh, he <laughs> he seduces to. Uh, <laughs> After it's, after having not talked to him at all nope, up to nope. that point, just very like like saunters into the water without a shirt on, just looking very pale, very Kylo Ren, mm-hmm. very uh, medieval painting. <laughs> yes, yes. And then they uh, they fuck. They uh, go into the shed. And yeah, the creepy shed. The the creepy perfect shed location to have sex that everyone loves to go to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then they uh knock out and then tie up stew um yep. and you know it, it's revealed that uh that, that gabriel's the uh forbidden fruit as <laughs> as <laughs> oh it's, that's a great line uh, <laughs> and they do uh electroshock therapy on stew yeah that, it, that yeah that's the kind of thing you want to see from this movie though you know yeah yeah that's that's the moment where it's like here's actual horror here's like of course again there's the real life horror of conversion camps that like is is just sort of taken for granted from the outset and is the main Mm -hmm. source of horror up until this point in the movie and here is an actual horror movie thing of like of like not an innocent person but like you know an innocent as, as like the character type being tortured yeah yeah and i thought it was well done that for all intents and purposes that's like a that's something that should be easy for this movie like we kind of keep coming back to this of like a con- like conversion camps are horrific there's horror everywhere just embrace that a little and you'll have a movie that is actually saying something and i think this scene works well and then it's brought back when there's uh it's gabriel who gets killed that way right uh yes i believe so yeah yeah and that's like the one death that i felt really really worked because it was something like a plot point came back it actually went somewhere and it also like tied into the theme of the film yeah uh like that i was like okay yeah you're you're doing it. This is yeah, that's, movie making. That, that's a great model. Like again, all you have to do is set up a few more like sort of specific horrific things that this camp is doing, and then kill the counselors yeah. using those methods. It's it's that simple. This is why it is so baffling to me how flat this movie falls because it is 
every single person I talk to about it can come up with 50 million better ways to do it and 50 million things they fail at. It's almost like, it's like strategically boring and bad. Yeah. There's the scene of, well, there's the giant wall of, of childhood photos from, from throughout yep. the ages. Another thing that doesn't really go yep. anywhere. And then yep. there's, well, I thought was a pretty funny bit where Zane and Sarah, the the married couple, find each other pics of uh, of hot guys and girls to look at while they're while they're having sex. Yep. Yeah. Again, that's like that's interesting. I haven't seen that before. It's a it's a very in your face way to get at what I was sort of talking about earlier about how like a lot of these camps are run by like very traumatized queer people. Right. Um, and the two of them and are like, former students. Yeah, like it it gets into that in a way that is very in your face, which is what a slasher should be doing. Mm-hmm. And I thought it, I thought that was interesting, but it's just it immediately is over. Yeah, because they get the last act is like the most boring part of the movie. Yeah, because they get slashed in that scene again. The <laughs> the the best like the the most outlandish or the the most over the top horror stuff happens in the same scenes where these characters like get killed off. Yeah, and they get killed in the most boring, bloodless way. Like where the, the 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 what's happening directly before the kill is more interesting than the kill. I don't even know how. I feel like I've said it every way that I could say it. I'm running out of ways to express what this movie has done wrong, both as a horror movie and also just as a movie that was made by humans. Yeah. So Gabriel finds Balthazar's body, and then they they slash Gabriel. Um, uh, and that that is the point where like everyone becomes aware that people are getting killed and they you know they, they sort of come together uh owen tells molly that one of the kids must have done it and molly's like we got to get them out of here um and, and you know i mean it makes sense for Owen to think that because it's only counselors who are getting killed um yeah they try they try to get everyone together to leave and I, it's just a point where the 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 twist of Molly being the killer just sort of is an odd structural choice because right now everyone wants the same thing and it's to get everyone out of the camp. Yeah. <laughs> so you sort of it's just a point where they have to like invent tension, and we're at the climax of the movie and they have to invent tension. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it, it's just, it's too orderly for, yeah. like, the the survival, like, last act of a movie, of a horror movie especially, it's like, I want a main character who's covered in blood, I want people rolling around in the dirt, like, there's gotta be, like, that real visceral tension at that point. You can have a lot of build-up before then, but that last act where, like, you know, the killer's revealed, you have to be doing more than just, like, okay, everybody, single file line, like, let's leave, let's get out of here. Yeah. And, like, I guess her plan is just to, like, kill enough counselors that they, you know, shut down the camp and have to send everyone home and just do it kind of quietly. Yeah. It, it's... Yeah. <laughs> it's a quiet death to, like, a horrific thing. And what I want out of a movie like this is a very violent death to the horrific thing. Yeah. Like, that's why I'm watching the movie. Yeah, so they slash Cora, and then uh, we find out that uh, Molly is Angie, and she killed the real Molly on the way over, and that's the 
the woman from the beginning who gets slashed yeah. and uh she's a a former camper at whistler camp she's there to exact revenge and yeah i mean the 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 thing with this tension is again that uh owen thinks that one of the kids must have done it obviously and then they like the 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 kids are like they make a plan to like basically send everyone away except for jordan who stays back to um what what is what do they stay back for they stay back to like find someone yeah they're trying to like get a gun or i think they're trying to like find molly i don't know it's it's not a distinct enough motive for either of us to remember it which is very telling yeah and uh so we reach this moment where jordan is is hiding in the closet and when which is i (laughs) (laughs) they always have to do it it is it's one of my favorite bits in every like gay rom-com ever there's always the oh no hide in the closet again like there's always (laughs) that gag and it does always get me it's i don't know it's like that that's my little cliche where i'm like okay this is funny (laughs) so yeah we basically have you know uh angie kind of taking out owen getting him on the ropes and then uh uh jordan grabs owen's gun uh you know pistol in hand angie's telling jordan to pull the trigger owen is being like you'll be just as bad as me if you do (laughs) (laughs) oh sure totally (laughs) like that's that's just an eye roll moment of like is it though like yeah. is it yeah is this worse than the you know hundreds if not thousands of kids that you've like traumatized and tortured yeah and mm. even more so than like it, it's not just jordan saying uh, you know i'm strong enough to not do this but it's also like th- they get into this debate again where where jordan's like when does it end and angie's like when all the camps are closed um and so uh, the the vision that angie presents is like let's end this <laughs> let, let's you know end this horrible chapter in history and uh and um jordan's what jordan has to say is basically like me and my friends are gonna go home and we're not gonna and we're not gonna talk about this again yeah we're just gonna repress it which is yeah. definitely what you want to do <laughs> it's just like even in trying to justify its own ending, it gives Jordan the clearly more selfish uh, point of view. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like, I get wanting all of the queer kids to be safe and happy at the end of the movie. That makes sense. Like, I get mm-hmm. it. In most movies, I'm like, yes. You know? In most right. horror movies, I'm like, okay, cool. The one queer character has survived. I call this a win. Right. But when you're making a movie like this... You you gotta you gotta give some people some feelings and emotions. Yeah. And there's only like I don't know in a horror movie the way that that is accomplished almost all the time is by killing someone. And so like that that at the ending when like the cops are rolling up and it's all wrapping up and it's just like it's it it just feels like they're all gonna be like okay bye I guess I'll see you later. Like there's no stakes I guess yeah. The choices it prevents are either these characters go home and you know live to fight another day whatever or these characters and every other kid at a conversion camp you know get gets justice like yeah 
it doesn't present the alternative as bad at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's it's aggravating in the way that it it doesn't it doesn't accept the fact that it is a horror movie where they can take things to the extreme and instead yeah. does this like lukewarm okay sure like i feel like i've been like i've been railing on this movie pretty hard uh i am glad that it exists like i'm glad that we're in an era when people are making like really explicitly queer horror movies mm-hmm. but it's just so both as a piece of queer history cinema, like queer cinema history and horror history, it's so forgettable. Like yeah. it, it's going to be a blip on, it's going to be a footnote on someone's paper someday. Yeah. I, I mean, another like really easy way to just give it a little more juice is to just make the Anna Klumsky character just like a little more ambiguous in some way, you know, yeah. like ju- just have her do something morally bad in the movie <laughs> yeah like characters are allowed to do that it, it's 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 the, the 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 poisoning of everyone by like twitter film analysis where it's like oh if a character does something bad you're not allowed to care about them or like them you know like it, it's it's uh back when like hannibal first came out and everyone was like oh you can't ship hannibal and will that's problematic but like wouldn't mention that they were cannibals you know like it just goes into all of this like other nonsense stuff and it's like yeah but they're characters at a show and like the whole point is that they're terrible i have to tell i have to tell this to like my mom all the time we'll be watching things like oh i hate this character like that's the point they're a villain we're supposed to hate them right They, they did the terrible thing so that we'd have like something to care about and right. this movie and just doesn't get there. This movie is like, we can't have the villain do something bad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Especially, And I think part of that is that like uh, Molly, or not Molly, the Anna Klumsky character is, all, as a, a kid who went there, in theory, she's like queer. And so they're like, oh, well, we can't hate her and she can't die. Which, right. you know, it, they, they go a little bit there. But it's like, we can't even have our queer villain be disliked because oh no that's gonna get us canceled yeah and and it just would have like made a little more sense like for for jordan to take anyone's side but hers (laughs) yeah 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 it 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 tied itself into this really particular knot and then didn't know how to get itself out and there's so many decisions that could have been made that would have kept it from getting to this point where there's like no good way to sort of wrap this up with yeah. the the like set of expectations you've been running with the whole film. I, I think overall, uh, a big part of the issue is again that like the slasher narrative doesn't become part of the story until like no. the last twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, which are also like the most bo- for me would some of the most boring part of the movie. Like at that point, there wasn't even anything like funny happening anymore. There was there was no like goofy ridiculousness it was just a bunch of people sort of running around in the dark yeah and, and it's basically just like a, a drama that's weirdly over the top before that yeah like it, it felt like a made for tv movie and both it, in terms of like well it technically was i guess it was, it was yeah. yeah um rated tvma didn't get a, an mpa rating oh i was thinking about that because it's like 
for, if you're going into a horror movie and it's not rated R, it, it doesn't hit that high rating. It's sort of what's like, that's very interesting to me because it means it's either going to be really interesting or it's going to be like this. It's going to be like completely bland. Yeah, it, it almost feels um, dated as like a way to think about horror movies. Like, again, we were talking yes. up top about some of the horror movies that came out this year. And the thing that they all that most of them have in common is that they have like very defined characters who are kind of weird and have traumas and, you know, don't always do the right thing. And also a lot of weird shit happens in them. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know what to expect, which you just go in and then suddenly there's like people being like skewered and there's like, like, I, I'm, my brain is like overloading with how much I love X right now, like thinking mm -hmm. about it. Because it's just like, yeah, that movie, it was gory. It was weird. Mia Goth is so good. It like, the when a movie opens with your main character, like snorting coke, and that's like the first thing you see her doing. And then like, that, that it just sets you up for like a very like wild ride. And there's something that they slash them would, doesn't even come close to attempting. Yeah, again, they they slash them feels like a horror movie from an era where horror movies were like one of two things, and this was the like more more family friendly of the two things that a horror movie could be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw Sleepwalkers. I forget. Yeah. It's very good. It's based on a Stephen King short story. And I watched it exclusively because Clive Barker has a cameo in it. Because oh. I'm a Clive Barker uh, bastard myself. Um, which is hilarious because it's like, we've got Stephen King and Clive Barker. And there's no mention on the box or anything that Toby Hooper is also in it. And Joe Dante is also in it. They're just, they're like, oh, we don't, nobody cares about them. And Lynn it was just is like, in it. Yeah, like it's, it's a great, wild little horror movie that was very like pg-13 there wasn't a lot of gore or, there was like a lot of cat deaths so it's like mm -hmm. okay animal brutality or whatever but it was like very chill and i loved it i thought it was really interesting it had great practical effects great talent and i loved it and it, it's like you can pull off doing that in a horror movie but you have to have you have to carry it some other way you have to find those other interesting things like practical effects which this movie has this movie doesn't this movie doesn't have any cgi either but that's because there's nothing happening for them to do with any kind of effect you know right yeah a another thing that would just instantly make this movie a little better is some bad special effects <laughs> yeah yeah like some bad special effects and then you get somebody to like burn it onto a vhs it'd be a great bad movie night movie yeah <laughs> yeah some like Man. <laughs> some uh like asylum pictures like copied in like terrible effects that's that's what this movie needs some Absolutely. like uh <laughs> i'm just uh i'm thinking about there's a great asylum movie i think it's like mm -hmm. 9 million bc or something but there's all these dinosaurs in it and god they're just they're just copied off of someone's like jpeg have you seen uh tammy and the t-rex I haven't. It's been on my watch list for literally so long. And that's the one episode of Best of the Worst I haven't seen because I refuse to watch it before I've seen Tammy and the T-Rex. Yeah. Because I also... 
<laughs> we, we've covered it on the podcast. I just I love Denise Richards, to be honest. Like, I love her. She's really and good, the concept's amazing. I, yeah. I've been dying yeah. to see Tammy and T-Rex. But that's a movie that, um, I don't know, has a few moments of really fun gore. It's, like, another movie that's, like, not really horror and, you know, sort of, like, not unlike this movie, there are, like, a couple horror scenes and otherwise, and otherwise it's just, like, this weird, um, you know, kind of over-the-top uh, comedy drama thing that's about, like, a a T-Rex and a girl who are in love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Paul Walker and the body of a T-Rex. Um, yeah, really fun I, movie. I did not know Paul Walker was in it. That's incredible. Yeah, Paul Walker is the boyfriend who uh, gets put into the T-Rex. Every time I learn something new about this movie, I'm like, this is maybe the greatest thing that's ever happened. Uh, any other overall thoughts on they slash them? Um, I feel like I've expressed most of what I wanted to. The only movie that I'm surprised didn't come up is Sleep uh, Sleepaway Camp. Mm. Because when you're talking about, like, trans horror and, like, summer camps, Sleepaway Camp is, like, the touchstone. And I personally love Sleepaway Camp. It's one of those movies where I understand... Well, it's one movie where it's like, I don't want to hear a single cis opinion on this movie ever. Like, mm-hmm. I don't give a shit what cis people have to say about Sleepaway Camp. And I understand why it's a movie that many people don't like, but I love it. Because for me, it's one of the best depictions of dysphoria I've ever seen. Like, it, it, the horror of the film is dysphoria, and it does a really good job of depicting that. And you get to see the trans character, like, enact their bloody vengeance on their bullies and the the villains of the movie and the whole time you're rooting for her like you're rooting for angela the whole time and it's just it's 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 a great horror movie it's a great film it's very interesting in like the history of trans horror Mm -hmm. and when you compare it to like when you compare sleepaway camp which came out what 20 30 years ago Mm -hmm. to this that just came out it's like we we've stepped back like 50 paces yeah, you say that, and I think about the fact that there are two non-men who are put into the, the boys' cabin in this movie, and they're both just like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, there's... That's uh, that's a huge source of dysphoria. Like, that can be a horror in of itself, which Sleepaway right. Camp pulls off really well. Um, like, I highly recommend Sleepaway Camp. Like, look it up before you watch it, because it goes some places, but... yeah. I, I love it. And I love Angela. And I love... Yeah, that, that movie, like, really hit home for me. As just, like, the discomfort of being in, like, this body and the situation and not knowing what to, like, do about it and how to feel. And, like, Angela doesn't say anything for, like, 45 minutes of that movie. She just does not speak. She's just mm-hmm. so uncomfortable and so shy. And it's such an effective, like... It's, a, it's an effective depiction of the horror of being, like, young and queer and in, like, these gendered spaces and not knowing how to, like, express yourself. I, what, what I take away from this movie, um, I definitely think the, the, the pink sing-along scene is something that will <laughs> yes. stick with me. Uh, again, I do think this is a really great Kevin Bacon performance. Yes, um, I agree. 
yeah and everything else i'm just not gonna remember in two months so yeah yeah the memes are the only thing that'll come back to me the Mm -hmm. who's jason Voorhees immediately kissing that scene top top scene in the movie for me the pink scene the really awkward seduction scene with gabriel Mm-hmm. like those are the things that stick out to the point where i forgot half the other characters and like what was happening in the what like th- two month two months since this movie came out yeah i i feel like this could like it is an absurd enough movie where i feel like with time I, you know i might start to have a fondness for it yeah but uh yeah not good in many ways <laughs> No, it would be the the first movie of a bad movie night to like warm everybody up before you get into like the good bad movies. Absolutely. Even like the ending being just a bunch of people running around in the woods and being like really boring reminds me of like, like great like B movies of, you know, like the 80s where you watch it on VHS, you can't see what's happening because it's just a bunch of people running around in the woods with no lights. Like it's, it's almost like classically bad, but in a very contemporary way. I don't know. There's there's things that interest me about it that, yeah, there's things that interest me about it, but it's not enough compared to so many other movies that are much more interesting. Yeah. And my, my observation, I think, was that, like, again, there's just not enough horror, like, like there's not enough slasher baked into the movie itself. And so yeah. for the, for the first, like, hour, you're just in sort of a ridiculous teen drama and then you get into the slasher stuff that's not really any good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. And the whole thing is that, like, ugly digital, like, the way that everything is filmed these days, especially stuff for, like, cheap streaming services like this. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it looks like a Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. And, like, not even one of the good ones. Not, I, don't, I say that, and now I'm trying to think of a good Netflix movie. I could come up I, with you, but... <laughs> I like Janola Holmes a lot. I'm excited for the second one. Enola Holmes is, is pretty fun. Uh, the Old Guard is uh, probably up yes. there. Yes. Uh, oh, bloods. my God. But, you know, these, I don't know. Those are, Part of what makes those stand out, I think, is that they look more interesting than, like, the bland, Marvel, gray, mush of yeah. everything else. Yeah, I mean, there are, famously, there are, like, technical specs that Netflix is, like, you must use these because it has to... You know, it has to be optimized for streaming. It has to look like the other stuff on the service. Um, And, uh, yeah, this definitely feels like it's optimized for streaming. I think is a a great way to put it. (laughs) Like, I think watching this on a big screen would be horrible. Like, I think it would be so just ugly. It'd be an ugly film to watch on a big screen. That'd be really funny. Uh, that's a good idea for like a movie night just uh, <laughs> just get a big projector just get like five peacock originals and <laughs> put them up on the big screen <laughs> do a marathon of the kissing booth just like yeah. really you could probably even like throw some big releases into that like that's one of my big things when when i'm ragging on the mcu at a family party to some like random middle-aged man as i do one of the first things I bring up is how ugly the movies are. Because like, I feel like you can't fight that. Because everything looks like wet cement. You want to hear a list of every Peacock original movie? Please, absolutely. Uh, Psych 2, Last You Come Home, which is the second made-for-TV psych movie. I didn't even know they made it two of them. 
Curious George, go west, go wild. Curious George, cape ahoy. Psych 3. Oh (laughs) my god. (laughs) The Real Housewives of the North Pole. Of course. Days of Our Lives, A Very Salem Christmas. Aww. They Slash Them. And uh, Meet Cute, which is a rom-com with Haley Cuoco and Kaylee Cuoco and Pete Davidson. Intriguing. It has a fifty-seven on Rotten Tomatoes. So, so it's better really, than they slash them. Yeah, the the two like real movies that uh, Peacock has made up to this point are They Slash Them and Meet Cute. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited to see what comes next. Yeah, that's. This is some, like, Sci-Fi Channel original level. God, like, yeah. And, like, Sci-Fi Channel came up with some good stuff. I, I admit that I only watch the ones that have actors I like in them, meaning I'm, like, there's something that's going to carry me through the movie either way, but I I have a soft spot for made-for-TV film. I love certain made-for-TV movies, and this current era of them is just so ugly and so, like trying to hit these specific points instead of doing the thing that made-for-TV movies do best, which is character drama. Because you have no budget on a made-for-TV film. So you have to, like, get into the characters and really, like, focus on their dramas and their lives. Like, I love a melodrama that was, like, made for, like, Fox in the 90s. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You want to hear who has a Peacock original movie coming out next year? Please. John Woo really oh my yeah. god yeah he's, that like kind your... of breaks my heart yeah <laughs> a little bit oh my god oh wow oh, do boy. is do we have a synopsis or anything yet or is we just it, know it's john woe it's a remake of his uh 1989 film the killer um which was a you know not in english and this is going to be an, an yeah. english version of it um i'm trying to see if there's anything uh else known about it uh no not really <laughs> <laughs> well they'll probably just sell it on it's john woo the way that they sold this on just like look at this title isn't it funny it also has kevin bacon in it right oh Maybe that's kevin so bacon, sad I'd, I'd love to see kevin bacon in a john woo movie <laughs> <laughs> yes yes that is I, uh, yeah <laughs> damn that that's gonna haunt me now like, I'm just going to keep remembering that he's making it, like, John Woo is making a movie for Peacock. Wow. God damn. It's like how they got all those, um, you know, all those really high-profile filmmakers to do Quibi stuff. Yeah. Yeah, rip Quibi, I guess. Yeah, there was, like, the, the Raimi Quibi show, and, like, that. I, I, I feel like I'll sometimes just look into a director, and it's like, they did this show for Quibi, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I the one I always saw ads for had, like, Ryan Reynolds and Ben Kingsley in it. Right. And there was one with Kevin Hart. Yeah, Kevin Hart I don't know. had his show that I think is being revived somewhere now. <laughs> well, good for him, I guess. Yeah. That was such a strange time when it was like I'd get Quibi ads on YouTube mm-hmm. and it was I never had any interest in it. Goddamn. <laughs> Rip Quibi. Well, Ruth it has been such a pleasure having you. Thank on you the for show. having me. Uh, it was great yeah, fun. This was really good. I would love to uh, have you on again. Maybe we could talk about Sleepaway Camp. Absolutely.
to those of you who have been listening, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you like the show, you can subscribe on Substack or wherever you're listening to it. Uh, rate it. I think it, things have ratings. Um, yeah, Spotify, you can rate apps now. I mean, not yeah. apps, uh, podcasts. Mm-hmm. And uh, just share it with your friends. Let people know you like the show. That's one of the best things you can do. And I will see y'all next week. I disagree, Gary. I disagree, Gary.